Welcome to the Experience Focused Leaders Podcast. My name is Alex Shemalenko. I'm CEO and founder of Relate To, and we are on the mission, both with the podcast and with Relate To, to bring the most important ideas to life. And how do we do that? We do that through amazing, immersive, engaging experiences that move your organization forward, move your customers forward, and move us as a society forward. So if you love ideas, if you love bringing these ideas to life, stick around. Also, at the end of the podcast, we'll reveal how you could potentially be a guest speaker on the podcast as well. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Experience Focused Leaders. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Gail Terry, who is the CMO and president of Domestic and General's U.S. business. Domestic and General is one of the leading appliance care providers worldwide with over 100-year-long history and over 3,000 employees. Welcome to the pod, Gail. Hey, thank you so much. Great to be here. Fantastic. Uh, Gail, one of the very special things that you know I love about your background is that you are you know, a marketer, uh, for recent part of your career, but you've kind of started in the general management. You are a general manager now, and you know you you care about employee experience as well as just the customer and marketing experience. You know, around marketing content. So, tell us a little bit about like what's the special sauce and kind of how did you how did you get into the marketing? Given where that you didn't start out being a marketer uh, as a as your first career move. Sure. Um, interestingly, um, I've worked in a few glamorous industries, waste, energy and financial services. So you think, how do you go from those three industries to kind of being incredibly passionate about uh, customer experience and marketing experience? And actually, that is the key theme that runs through each of the industries that I have worked in, um, industries which never necessarily put the customer at the front and center of what they did and needed to make some changes uh, to start to engage with and create high touch, loyal customer experiences. Um, and I guess my role in that has developed over time. So started off very much in operational roles. So running contact centers, um, running kind of engineered field force, which you know you really get to see firsthand in those roles what the customer interactions are, what, what our employees need to make those experiences better and what customers need and what they um, get upset about and what they're looking for, what their expectations are. So I guess it kind of started off looking after operational functions. And then I moved through a few different roles, um, looked after customer retention in a previous uh, company. And then I started to move into more product development and I do think product development really is a bit of a mini general manager role so you are concerned and, and interested in all of the factors that contribute to a great customer outcome profitability um, and that's where I guess I started to get quite interested in both the breadth and depth of of um of business really Got it. from that I took the kind of out of product into more marketing um, specialism and, I, and I've been doing that for the last I'd say kind of five to ten years 
And and so it sounds like you're, the secret to your success is that you're able to connect the dots to, you know, what the real customer is experiencing. You've been there in the trenches. You're not sitting in some sort of ivory tower drinking up, you know, thinking <laughs> up or drinking champagne and thinking big strategy, right? Like you can connect it to the the, the customer experience, how to engage the employees uh, that are delivering that customer experience. And oftentimes they're the touch points, especially in DNG, I would imagine that's critical. Yep. Um, and, you know, and so this, this feels really relevant and maybe let's connect it back to DNG uh, because I, I can, I love what, you know, first of all, that it's such a relevant and that it's a hundred year old brand. Like I think one of the, goals for our you know relatively young startup compared to you is that we we got to think 100 years like what's going to happen so here you are a steward of a 100 year old brand but that's still highly relevant because when it comes to all the appliances that yeah. we have in our home I'm a total nincompoop and uh and not a not a superstar so I you know I could have imagined you would kind of help me save the day and you know keep keep the keep the keep things running in the house when things go wrong. So this is, uh, you know, a lot of trust in that brand, right? A lot of, a lot of responsibility, both in terms of what you actually deliver and then, uh, you know, certainly hundred year brand. Like how do you combine that with innovation and trying new things and staying yeah. current? It's such an interesting um, story. Well, I, I certainly think it is. Domestic in general started out, as you say, over a hundred years ago, ensuring um, cattle and sheep, right? So not long after the Titanic went down, there was this, there was a need all of a sudden, right, to have protection and insurance on your livestock. And we mm. started there over in Australia. And um, we have, for a, a, a kind of big and, you know, some might think traditional business have actually been pretty creative. We've pivoted a number of times in terms of the core, the core of our business is about providing solutions, protection, insurance, um, but we have done that on different things over that hundred year history. And certainly in the last kind of 20, 30 years, we've, we've really doubled down and specialized in appliances and consumer electronics. And I guess we're quite different to insurance in some respects in that um, we don't care just about um, accepting a claim and settling a claim, really what we want to do is put ourselves right at the centre of that moment of truth around mm. something's broken down, your washing machine is pouring water over the floor, how do we yeah. get out to make sure that customer gets the solution that they need as quickly as possible and get them back up and running? So, you know, we are um, very much focused on how do we have experiences that are meaningful? Um, and I guess... I guess one of the other things which has changed a lot in the insurance sector, certainly, is, I don't know, go back a few decades, much of the insurance industry was based on you have a you have some sort of a policy and actually it was somewhat beneficial to companies that you didn't claim. So they were not looking for that high touch interaction with customers. Right. So it's like you buy something and then forget it and hopefully resubscribe yeah, again. Your home insurance, hopefully you'll yeah. never have to make a claim. Yeah. So we think very differently, actually. And, and one of the things that we have launched in kind of recent years is a more of a subscription protection, you know, pay as you go, you're covered um, for as long as you ha have a policy. 
And that is quite a high touch, high engagement um, kind of insurance plan. And, and for us, that's quite important to us because we really want customers to get great value out of our products. But we also want to create really positive experiences around it. And what we find with those subscription customers is they tend to protect other things in their home. So the next kind of looking at is how do you make it super easy for customers to protect all the things that they that, that are important to them, essentially? And, and you know, maybe you could, without providing individual data, obviously, maybe you have some amazing view as a as a data-driven marketer and I, I i know your background is is very you know you're not shy away from that at all so you're you have this insight of what do people care about right and i think um home is such a private place to some degree and maybe you're forcing sometimes the decision of like what do i what's really important what's really essential to my life do you, what 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 can you tell us about human nature in yeah. 2023 you know, what? versus maybe the past, you know, and you mentioned electronic devices, right, recently, yep. since, you know, they weren't around in the kettle, kettle yeah. times, right? Like, what, what do we, what do we people, you know, why do we go to you, you know, and where those moments of truth really shine, where, you know, people yeah. are like, oh, my God, Dale, this thing you saved me, that was nice, but yeah. Dale, this, this, this really is like, you saved yeah. our livelihood, right? Like you saved yeah. our family. Like, what, could, tell us about that. Sure. It's um. So, like, I guess just your your point on how does consumer behavior, how's consumer behavior in twenty twenty three versus before? Well, I tell you, it's changed a heck of a lot in the last two years. So, with COVID, lots mm-hmm. of people moved to working from home, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have stayed working from home. Certainly, domestic in general, we operate a kind of everyday flexibility. Um, approach to work so we have many of our employees at home and when you're at home your appliances become even more paramount right you're making home you're storing more food at home etc so mm-hmm. um, people are pretty reliant on their household appliances and therefore expectations around getting them back up and running quickly is is really important um, thinking about customers though and, and you were saying you know, what really matters to them it's very interesting. We're a, a, I'd call us a B to B to C brand. So mm-hmm. we're actually, um, in many cases, white labeling through huge manufacturers and retailers that are household names that you know everyone would know about. Whether that's Bosch, Mila, World, on Lewis, Argos, there are many brands that we are offering um, protection plans through. Wow. And actually, the customer demographics by by the nature of the brands that we work with are quite different. So, you know, um, we have different demographics for one retailer versus another retailer because they shop for different things or they are interested in different brands. So we do have a very interesting kind of, uh, I'd say range of customers. And so for us, that makes it even more important to be offering something that is relevant to them and interest to them. And so we are constantly investing in um, data-driven marketing and mm-hmm. data science and how we understand customers at an individual level rather than a segmented level. And we mm-hmm. are we are talking to those people at the right time, event-driven, experience-driven, to make sure it offers over to them, I guess, that, that makes sense to them and meet their needs. Right. And so it has to be by brand and by their audience specific. That makes a lot of sense. 
uh, if I'm buying a really premium device, you know, one set of expectations uh, mm -hmm. versus a low. Uh, so on that note, so obviously, you know, you're a private equity owned. So is that is that yeah. a recent change? Has it always been? We haven't always been, but for the yeah. last 10, 10 uh, maybe 15, 15 or so years, yeah. we've been private equity owned. And you have, but you have debt in the capital. You have, you must have debt in the capital market. Yes. Sorry, that's, that's the confusion. So you're, you have some, so you, so you still have some, you know, demanding owners you have, you, you have, uh, and, and, you know, I think the connection point is that you have these, what I imagine very large contracts, mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that I find really fascinating about B2B to C business is that you have to have this, you know, really, in, you know, amazing kind of consumer grade experience, but then, you know, the, the deal sizes must be very nerve wracking, right? Because losing okay. one contract, you know, uh, you know, or gaining one is a big difference yeah. in um, um, for the organization. So how do you as a marketer, balance out those two and then you know maybe you know for the for those folks that are more on the b2b side of the spectrum doing big deals what is it that you're doing um bringing that data-driven another yeah. approach into that world that, that yeah. helps your teams i think one of the the kind of coolest and most enjoyable things about being in marketing in this particular business is that the marketing team sits right in between the kind of partner uh, or client that we you know, contracting with and the customer. And so it's our job to understand what customers' needs are, build propositions around about that, build marketing experiences around about that, and almost take that to via our client teams uh, to talk to clients about what customers need, how we can service them, mm -hmm. and how we can deliver great value. And almost we become the glue between the customer and, and the um and, and the client. And like I mean, just thinking of a, a completely random example, mm -hmm. but we we really prioritize um, and champion what we call first-time resolution. So if an appliance breaks down, for us, the, one of the most important metrics is that when we, we send an engineer out, so let's say like manufacturer A um, sends an engineer out, we want that appliance to be fixed first time. And our first time kind of fix rate as we call it is 75 percent which is unparalleled in, in the industry because we're sending that manufacturer engineer out to the branded appliance mm -hmm. and to try and improve that um stat um we actually spent some time with the manufacturers engineers themselves so thinking about the engineer experience right what does a day look like for them what barriers or what challenges do they face with customers when they're going to try and repair something? And what kind of solutions or propositions could we help to develop purely focused on that engineer experience to try and make that better? And I think learnings from, from that and, and, and kind of in a previous life, if you get engineers or technicians like really bought in and on board and try to solve some of their problems and their needs, it just has this, you know, great kind of throughput and customer yeah. and then the yeah. employees and, and what have you. So, um, yeah, I think that's the kind of role that marketing can play in between the, the, the client and the customer. We become, you know, quite valuable for a number of reasons and help, therefore, kind of extend and, and prolong the life of those those client contracts. Got it. So I think it's really like, again, back to that original aha of like, if you can 
if you're not touching as a marketing organization, you're not touching the customer yourself, you better work incredibly hard to create wonderful experiences for the people who do touch them so they can focus on the customer and not, you know, solving yeah. technical things. Uh, Absolutely. And, and we're, I guess, the role that we play is we are being white labeled, we are creating those brand experiences. So, you know, if a manufacturer um, sells an appliance through a retailer, because they don't sell them direct, generally, yeah. they say, you go into a store, you buy an appliance manufacturer A, then we will be the, the, the kind of the initial branded experience for that, that um, mm -hmm. customer. And we immediately start to create um, I guess just um, an interaction, start to build a little bit of, um, I, I guess, engagement with the customer for that brand. So the way that we talk to our partners is about creating actual brand experiences right, that they then mm -hmm. create loyalty and, 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 you know, when that appliance comes to the end of its life, we'll replace it with a new manufacturer, a brand. So you have this kind of cradle to grave cycle. Got it. So, um, so really, you're an extension uh, for those for those teams in in, sure. in the way that they think about the world. And and so this this is interesting, right? These are global brands, where some of them are UK centric, but generally global. Um, and you're in twelve uh, geographies. Mm -hmm. uh, you run one of those, uh, yeah. the US, as you could hear from my accent, one that's near and dear to my heart. Um, but w tell us tell us about kind of supporting that that geographic range is it that the customers that are pulling you into the new markets were you there already and you know they they came to you because you were able to support to provide this global footprint you yeah know, really um, interesting so um it was a couple a couple of years ago now um we have always found like i'm sure many businesses the us to be a super interesting marketplace mm -hmm. right huge economy um, huge footprint and huge, you know, households, all of which are very interested in protecting um, stuff in their house, insurance. Um, there's a strong kind of appeal and, and positive sentiment to covering items and protecting devices and appliances and such like. So it felt for, for a number of reasons, a very interesting market for us to, to enter. Um, one of our partners, Whirlpool, um, who... Um, Head, who are headquartered in the US. We've worked with them in the UK and continental Europe for over 30 years. Felt like a really good um, fit. So we, through the relationships that we've got in Europe and the UK, um, we started to work together with them on a, a potential opportunity to move there and agreed some exclusivity to move out to the US and start to build a program that that met their needs and their business strategy. So we've been doing that with them for about 18 months now, um, live in some channels and, and extending to, to some more channels. It's just been a it's been a great experience overall for, for me on a personal level, uh, starting yeah. to learn about some of the customer nuances, some of the client nuances, cultural employee nuances. Um, but overall it's just been it's been great. It's kind of like having a startup, um, but with the backing of a business that's, you know, the market leader in the UK. And and that's, you know, for me, a winning combination. I feel hugely supported by the business. It's, it's an important strategic priority for us. But we've got this um, kind of nice startup feel to it where we're, yeah. you know, on employee number, 
Uh, well, we were on employee number 23. We've just acquired another business out there. So we've added another 125 and we're kind of starting to grow and, and spread our wings. And it's, it's great. So what, how are you changing your approach in your day-to-day job where you have a you know 3,000 employees <clears throat> and lots of these amazing brands who you represent? Uh, but now you're you're effectively a startup founder, at least in the U.S. market, right? <laughs> was just one anchor customer, so it's not like you, you still got a ways to go. Um, how is how is being in the startup world? That's you know that's near and dear a little bit to us. How is that changing how you're running the rest of the of the business? Yeah. So so I guess a couple of thoughts. Um, I have got an amazing team. So the marketing team at Domestic in general are brilliant and. Is a very collaborative business actually and when you kind of stretch across functions the team here are going to be just fine and they they um you know i'm there when when they need me but they don't need me so much anymore is what i would say um in terms of how to approach a startup about i think maybe 10 or so years ago um when i worked at british gas a previous business i had the opportunity to um start the the connected homes division in British mm. Gas and it was tiny back then and you might have heard of Hive the remote heating control mm. thermostat so that was my baby and um, essentially me and a team of five kind of kicked that initiative off back in the day at British Gas and within a few years of hard graft it you know it's now a, a, a kind of mainstream technology product with its own brand and who knows what kind of million pounds PL it's running in its own right. But um, so I very much enjoy and have had some experience in that kind of um, you know, the green shoots and the mm-hmm. the kind of early Inter- days of in- rolling internal. up your sleeves, yeah. doing a bit of everything. Yeah. That's great. So you you're really like kind of coming back to the beginning of the conversation about your mix of your careers, you're kind of a generalist, right? And then you you, but that you're running such a you know a successful and now independently successful without even your help marketing team, you know a lot of people who are starting out um, or maybe they are the CEO and they need to kind of run a marketing, you know, be more influential in the way the the marketing uh, strategy is run across organizations. Like they're like they're wondering, you know, I'm busy. You know, what 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 are the inspirations? areas to learn like where are the good go-to resources that you used maybe if, if i wonder if anything still inspires you or you kind of recommend to your team you know yeah. given that that's that sort of typically not uh some people just grow up and just keep consuming marketing marketing yeah. content which is you know as you know very specialized across different disciplines you had you had a bit of a jump right so how did you manage that um yeah in your context? i think i i don't have a, a very clever or you know unique answer for that I would say I think kind of as I've gone through my career um, I'm very curious and I love to learn and I spend you know a lot of my time out of my comfort zone and so if you can if you can kind of embrace some of that it helps Um, the key for me is having good people around about you um, and how you kind of understand who's good, what skills you need. Make sure you recruit people that don't look and kind of um, behave or have the same experience as yourself, right? Because okay. that doesn't get you, that doesn't really get you anywhere if you're, you're surrounded by lots of people that, that are similar to you. Um, 
And I think being very, like for me, it's just about being very open and honest. Um, and when I don't know a subject matter, I'm going to listen. Um, and I'm going to say that I'm not an expert in this space and I kind of would like some help or I need some experts to to kind of help help us as a team kind of progress in that journey. And I've always, I've always found that, you know, success breeds success. And when um, you're surrounded by good people and you're empowering them and giving them their chance to shine, mm-hmm. you know, they, they will do. And, and that elevates kind of everyone in the team. So yeah, there's no like kind of new news there, I'm sure, but, but they're the things that I kind of tend to, to think about and prioritize uh, when I'm moving into something new. Something new. One of the things on the marketing side that, you know, I saw that you worked on is kind of reimagining the customer charter, which I'm sure is interesting in a hundred year old yeah. organization. <clears throat> and then I also saw you, you recently kind of had a more of a cultural blueprint work where one phrase in particular really resonated with, with us as well. Make the world a better place. One repair at a time um, for, for, for me and my tiny world like we have a phrase of like um you know change change the world one document at a time you know so so but it's sort of the same thing about like uh interactions repair uh some kind so you've you've clearly thought through and you you know as a marketer i'm sure you've you've helped shape that organization-wide process tell us a little bit about that how do you how do you drive this sort of change and innovation in the in the large organization yeah, I think that um, just just picking up, first of all, on the kind of make the world a better place, one repair at a time. I think our business model is very symbiotic with the sustainability cha- like challenge that we all have, right? Mm. And I think that businesses can be a force for good as well as good business, if that makes sense. And so for us, we're in eight, eight, about 8,000 homes every single day repairing stuff. And if mm. we can repair and extend the life of appliances, we're at the moment in the UK alone, we're kind of preventing over 2 million appliances going to landfill, right? So we genuinely think that we are having an impact on, on that um, kind of carbon impact, circular economy. And so that's quite important to us. Uh, and it's not manufactured, right? This isn't a manufactured story. It's like a real, this is essentially what we exist to do, repair appliances, right. keep them working longer. And then when you start to kind of listen to employees, whether it's attracting new employees, retaining employees, um, people want to work for a purpose-led business, right? And, you know, warranty or insurance might not have that same appeal, like until you kind of scratch a little bit on yeah. the surface and then you find out actually there's there's some interesting themes here and there's mm-hmm. some good that we can do um so for me kind of i guess how we approach that whole process and and we're currently kind of going back through a bit of a brand strategy exercise is to engage people um, employ all audiences, employees, customers, partners, investors. Like it's really important to kind of listen to people, understand what they think, what should we stand for, what should we stand against, what drives and motivates them. The difficult bit is trying to get one like one golden theme because people have lots of different views and opinions. But we certainly engage people and we try to create advocates. So right now, 
um, some of the brand work that we're doing, we're actually going to be pulling together a group of brand advocates to then help kind of create the message and I guess embody the message, drive the message, share the message. So, yeah. Well, I'm I'm one thing I'm confident about as as we wrap up this this uh, this half hour is that um, the future of hundred year old brand is in safe hands with you, Gail. This is really uh, you. you know amazing to see the energy, the openness to new ideas, the broad range of skill sets that that you're bringing in, and I think. Um, hopefully you challenge the general managers to be better at thinking about customer experiences and really owning it and vice versa, helping CMOs everywhere to think a lot more like a general manager and how do they create a holistic interconnected uh, journey for the customer. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been fun. No, it's been great. Thanks so much. Great to meet you. Welcome back. Alex Shivalenko here. Thank you so much for listening to Experience Focus Leaders podcast. You can learn more about us at podcast.relato.com, R-E-L-Y-T-O.com. Obviously, we would love for you to send this to people that you know who would be great speakers or just share the nuggets that you took away from this episode with your community on social. And you could learn more about what we're up to on Relate2.com. You could certainly connect with me on LinkedIn where it's just very easy to spell my name. You have to have a master's in Ukrainian. It's Shevelenko, S-H-E-V-L-E-N-K-O. Would love to connect so that we can move together the way the world communicates about its most important ideas. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you next time.